heart and soul of a nation, beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor. Our soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. Many of these blue state governors, as in the case of Oregon, Kate Brown, uh, you started hearing some of these stories where they pushed back against uh, really the education system, the mandates. Uh, but they've also aggressively gone after doctors. Uh, they've suspended licenses. You've seen that on our platform, our network. Um, but really, the damage they've done even within the business communities there. And you have to begin to ask yourself, how will a lot of these communities ever come back? I mean, how, how will they ever respond to something like this? And the one thing COVID has done, it's sort of in an odd way given a license. It's given a license to these um, these politicians who certainly are in overreach territory, but they're they're clamping down on Americans' liberties. Uh, they are um, they're doing things that are unprecedented in our country, and I think a lot of us have been looking back to see how many Americans will fight back, how many are going to go along with this this deal. But it becomes the fear factor, people. That's what this pandemic has done in, in, in its constant. And there's not a day that doesn't go by when you look at the news cycle and you see the way they're right in the headlines and the way they're driving that narrative out there. And it's almost like they're looking for the next variant. They're looking for the next challenge. And you do have to begin to question it. You know, I mean, what's the ultimate goal? What is the ultimate goal? Well, I think we're seeing the ultimate goal play out. It really is that tipping point of America. And, you know, we were talking 10 years ago about our urban cities. But my friends, you, you know, this whole notion of, you know, keep America great again and making America great again never can happen without great American cities. And that really is the erosion of America is these urban markets. But again, it's the spillover into our suburban and rural areas uh, that I think is a challenge for our country. So today, let's talk a little bit more. And I want to learn some things myself within Oregon politics. A lot of us don't follow what's happening out there. Um, but it is reflective of our society as a whole. Kate Brown has been one of the most aggressive governors uh, in our, uh, our nation, really. And although it's a smaller area, smaller state and smaller markets, so you don't hear as much as you would a Newsom or, or a Cuomo or some of these bigger areas, uh, it still has a major impact on our country. here, And it's reflective of a bigger problem we're experiencing in America here. Um, very recent, this governor, Kate Brown, uh, a lot of her mandates, her push into, you know, as school was coming back into session here, uh, it, it, then you're see you were seeing a lot of these governors where they're cracking down to the mask mandates for the kids. That's become a big controversial, the vaccines uh, and, and the aggressiveness as some states were lightening up, some of the red states like certainly Texas and, and Florida and Arizona started to lighten up. A lot of these other states started to clamp down and they, they weren't, um, 
they weren't letting it go. They were never letting people get to the other side of this pandemic, really. So one of the interesting gentlemen I want you to meet today that I've just met for the first time is Mark Thielman. Uh, Mark is um, a, a superintendent of Alsey School Area out there, and he's a K through 12 principal. What's interesting with him is he got into the limelight big time just recently because uh, Governor Kate Brown uh, really called him out and it hit the national uh, uh, airwaves, the national media all, all talked about this story. And he did it with a very interesting uh, letter that he sent out to the community. Now, Mark, first of all, welcome to the voice of a nation here. It's good to have you here. And uh this uh, one of the things I see that you, you know, you got under the skin of Governor Kate Brown because she had these mandates of all the kids wearing the mask. There were no exceptions in her authority over an executive mandates, part of the overreach. Uh, and, and it's very controversial. I mean, we've talked about it here to the degree with all kinds of experts. Uh, and it, whether you agree with the mask or disagree with the mask wasn't even almost the point here. But she sent that out with with no exceptions whatsoever that everybody would have that mask on. Now, you got that in. You, uh, I'm guessing now you sort of read between the lines really quickly, I'm thinking. And you decided yep. to you decided to hit back. And boy, did you hit back. I read your entire letter that you sent to the community. And, and I will say this. Uh, I'm going to cut you loose in a second here. But, Mark, when I read your letter, you chose your words very carefully. Uh, and I was watching that with the way you described things. And I, and I applauded some of it. And you were, But you were, how do you say, uh, sending a very specific message to the community that you not only were not supporting her overreach, but you were given uh, parents, students, and then the parents, ultimately, uh, uh, sort of uh, another path forward, uh, that there were other alternatives. Explain to us that letter, because, and let me just say this, you, you started off, Mark, right here. I love the way you start this. And all in caps here, just visualize this, people. Here we go again, period. All in capital letters was the way he started that letter. And it says, this COVID ride. And I love that when you say, Mark, this COVID ride, because we can all appreciate what you mean. We've all been on a ride to hell and back again. This COVID ride just keeps on rolling, but not even the threat of the pandemic can prevent the power of the LC school spirit. So that's the way you start it. As most of you know, yep. today, Governor Brown has expanded her mask mandate to all public indoor spaces as a means of slowing the spread of the Delta COVID variant. And God only knows what other variants are coming here and whatever they do. <laughs> I mean, it's it's insane. And you'll go on from there uh, talking about the mass and the efficacy of that, whether you believe it or not. And then you gave people out. Tell us that about that letter. What was the spirit behind that? And boy, did you get under her skin? Go ahead. Well, yeah. Well, first of all, just so and thanks for having me, by the way. And uh, just so the audience knows, um, you know, I've done policy work for 10 years up in the Capitol building and I've worked directly with Governor Brown on several occasions. So she does know who I am. Um, the the difficult piece is I've always been a hardcore, uh, very, very consistent conservative. And that's been an interesting um, experience as a conservative, having to work with a Democrat-dominated government over the years on policy matters. And uh, just so the audience knows, uh, they, they really always liked my policy ideas and solutions. And then they would uh, um, absolutely uh, ruin them because they, they don't have the capacity 
to do what you were talking about in your intro, which is that this is an exceptional country in which we trust the individual citizens to guide their lives and we try to give them good support and information. And through that process of setting people free, they create markets and innovation and, and, and new, new inventions. And, you know, we're talking to, uh, I'm talking to you on a, on a smartphone. I mean, how, you know, that's been an incredible invention invented right here in this country. And so Governor Brown doesn't care for that. Um, so that's the background. When I sent the, the letter out, you got to remember, I had a, about a third of my parents who, you know, they believe in the efficacy of mass. And, and then you I say had about, about, a third mar- about a third mark. Uh, yeah, in my community. So yeah, in the, in the Alsea school community, about a third were like, yeah, we're okay with kids wearing masks. And then two thirds uh, were not okay at all. And, and varied extremes, you know, um, some parents really believed uh, the governor in June when she announced the end of masking. And she said, we all know the negative effects of wearing masks. And what that did is that created um, uh, a whole group of people who just took that at face value that, that it's child abuse to put a mask on. And so you could imagine being a school superintendent with this new mandate being reimposed. <laughs> and, and I've got this divided parent pool. How big of an area community is Elsie? Well, Elsie is a small town. It's about 300. But what um, our school district is a charter school. So we draw students from nine other communities. So uh, Oregon State University, uh, Corvallis, um, Philomath, Eugene, these are all big city areas around, you know, within a 50 mile radius. Okay. So we, we have a, we have a broad reach. All right. All right. Interesting. Now, politically speaking, that area you're in, uh, in uh, just curious to know, what is the makeup of, of a voter there? What percentage does it go more to the left or the right? Uh, it's, it's, it's probably majority uh, red and, uh, but it's more like a probably 58, 42 Mm-hmm. So, so we have a fair number of, uh, of yeah. you know, more democratic or progressives uh, that the it's growing increasingly red, ironically, uh, in the last couple of years under these mandates. A lot of Oregon throughout a lot of these rural suburban areas are, are exactly that way, aren't they? Yes. Yeah. The, the political yeah. makeup of a lot of people tend to be more conservative in nature, more patriotic, more uh, people that are respectful of our Constitution. Whereas then your urban markets in your bigger city areas, that's where the left has had the biggest control. Right. Yeah. And I, I would you know, the adjective I would use is completely insane. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, say what you really mean, please. Yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, no, I mean, it, it, what you're saying and speaking about is their policies, right? Yeah. Well, you know, the, in, in the, they, they have us the strange um, maladaption. So, for example, uh, they don't see forcing people to take a vaccine they don't want, forcing people to have something injected in their body. They don't see the, the conflict between that and my body, my choice with abortion. And they're they're not capable of seeing that. So they think they're being practical and pragmatic. We're just making it pragmatic for people. That's by forcing them to lose their job if they don't do what we want. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's a very dangerous um, uh, mentality to elect. And yeah. Oregon yeah. has elected that mentality. 
Yeah, people, uh, Mark, why is it, in your opinion, uh, people uh, that like Kate Brown, for instance, the governor, who, by the way, uh, is a new race to remind everybody in 2022 for governor in Oregon, she cannot uh, run again. She's termed out. So her time now is is pretty well done as uh, uh, governor of, uh, of Oregon. Anyways, what she's going to do beyond this, uh, we'll, we'll see. She hasn't announced any plans, I, I wouldn't imagine. Right, Mark, at this point? Well, she, yeah, but the behind the scenes, you know, she's connected to the Biden administration and uh, she got passed over for, for certain appointments because she was so unpopular and (laughs) which is ironic. So her plan didn't work because she was expecting to be a diplomat. Why is it that people, there's a bigger point I want to ask you about with people like Kate Brown as a politician why is it the 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 insanity of the policies again? But that Marxist left because uh, that's really swallowed the Democrat Party whole now. Uh, that crazy Marxist uh, agenda. Uh, people use the word socialist, but it, it really is uh, uh, over the top. Uh, why is it they seem to say what they think? They're good at talking, Mark. They're good at yep. at uh, putting words together and adjectives, and they're good at at uh, reaching to. And I don't no disrespect. Well, when I say it this way, but they're they're good at reaching to the lowest possible denominator in our communities and in people that are really looking for another way of life. And they seem to be able to they're a magnet to these kinds of politicians. Uh, but yet they they never do what they say, even the pretty words they put out there. They don't follow through on any of that. They have a whole very hostile agenda. And people seem to have a wool pulled over their eyes within these communities, and which really befuddles people like me and probably you as well as to how the hell mm-hmm. people continue to vote for these crazy people. Uh, what, what am I, I'm trying to get to this bigger point here of how people like Kate Brown pull it off. Why do they, how do they mm-hmm. get away with these sort of, uh, characteristics and mandating and controlling people's lives in the way they do in America? How does it work? Mm-hmm. Well, it's really easy. So, you know, my letter is a great example that, you know, you mentioned, I chose my words carefully and what I was doing is I was matching the care instinct that progressive Democrats are very, very skilled. They're literally trained yeah. in how to do it. Yeah. And then what they do is they do, they do what's called virtue signaling and leveraging. Yeah. So they will do moral leveraging by, you know, a responsible person, responsible people know, educated people know, people, people who care about others know. That, and so in my letter does the same thing. Hey, parents, you know, hey, I know that some believe in the efficacy, some are over here, but we're all one team. And I care about all of you and I'm here to help you. That's the flavor of the letter. Uh, Here's the gov. Here's a, you know, below is a copy of the governor's um, uh, administrative rule, you know, which is Mm 333-019-1015. And uh, so then I give the, the, the reader, the actual, the actual rules. And then I say, if you'll notice on sections four, five, and six, there are some exceptions written into the mandate. Yeah. You know, in spite of what the media was covering. And then and that's that's really what lit the governor up, because I all I did was tell people the loopholes in her mandate. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's that's. And so then when she came out and attacked me, it's real simple. All I said was, what are you talking about? All I'm doing is enforcing your mandate. Yeah. It says right here they can seek a 504 exception. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. Well, let, let me jump in now. Now, let me fill in a couple of blanks, Mark, and tell me if this is yep. correct. Now, in the letter. You say here, the most common question that has come up is, will my child have the option to not wear a mask? 
And I totally yes. get that. I mean, we're we're seeing that all over our networking platform. People don't want their kids in masks all day. And again, you can look at the studies on this market, all of that, but we know it's not healthy uh, for anybody to be covered in their nose and their mouth and be breathing their, their own air in. I mean, it's, it's hazardous onto itself. Uh, to be doing that in the work environment and the school environment. And, and basically, these masks are a joke to begin with. People have them hanging from their ears, their nose, everything's exposed. They're breathing <laughs> through everything. It's become sort of yep. a weird, weird phenomenon, almost like the mark of the beast somehow, like we're wearing these things around or certain part of the population. I mean, it's crazy. How many people, let me ask you this here. How many people, I know, I know my answer to this question, how many people do you see in a car by themselves with a mask on or jogging or walking out there with a mask on in Oregon, I'm wondering, on a daily basis. Well, if you're in Portland, a ton, and they'll wear two or three masks and wow. they'll make them different colors. See, that's the virtue signaling piece. See, I'm doing this because I'm responsible. I care. And, and it's about them. It's not about, uh, you know, efficacy or safety. You know, you're, you're focusing on facts and, and, and what, what is real metaphysics stuff. Yeah. These people don't care about that. They're, yeah. they're trained to, to say, I'm compliant. I'm responsible. Uh, don't attack me. That's, that's the culture. I mean, you can only talk about the weather and you better be careful about that even in Portland <laughs> or somebody's going to jump your ship. Yeah. Yeah. All right. The letter you also say here on its face, the governor's order does not allow for students to elect to not wear a mask. And the Oregon yep. Department of Education is requiring school staff to enforce this mandate under, listen, penalty of fine, investigation, ethics violation, and potential loss of licensure. Now, here's what I, I think is very clever. You then say, and, and, and this is just being a good student here. This is, this is uh, Mark <laughs> Thielman, superintendent principal, being a good student, he says, I would be remiss. If I did not communicate this federally mandated right to all of our parents, guardians, and inform them of their option to request an accommodation regarding the mask mandate for their student. When I read this, Mark, I laughed out loud and about fell on the floor. And I said, this guy is good. <laughs> this guy is good. And he's using I, what I really enjoy about you and reading the whole thing about this is you're using the tools of the left to get back at them. And, and I just thought it was entirely clever. And so mm -hmm. you, then, you then say here, the Alsi Charter School has consistently met all our families where they are at and worked to build strong partnerships, but dressed by high levels of trust, care, and compassion. I see the Section 504 option as a lawful and compliant means for accommodating parents and students who have deeply held concerns about the potential negative impacts of mask wearing at school. And so it comes back to a yes or no thing. And you say right here, engage in this pathway will require the student and parents to replace the single mitigation of mask wearing and other mitigations that offset the risk of COVID-19 spread via a layered mitigation approach. And you put included in the email as a link to a Google form. And I'm asking, and this is what really ticked the governor off, I would imagine, because then you say included in this email is a link to a Google Google form that I'm asking all parents to fill out, uh, which that really got her, I'm sure, because you say in this form, it will ask if you are okay. With, and and I, I love this. And you say, you, you say, if, if you're okay with your student wearing a mask, this is innocent enough during regular school hours or not. And, and, and Mark, you say this, if you answer yes, the form 
will document your answer and help us support your student with effective mask use during school hours. If you answer no, you will have the opportunity to request a Section 504 accommodation plan. Mark Thielman, that was a brilliant paragraph to put in. I thought that was and completely, completely lawful and completely consistent with her mandate. Here's what I'm going to predict here. Let me, let me tell you the governor's response first. Then I'm going to tell you, Mark Thielman, what I'm going to predict. Uh, and, and, I'm, I, and I will tell you another little secret about Mark Thielman in just a moment here. It's a name you're hearing today. It's not the last time you're going to hear the name. I can tell you that right now. So her response, uh, she made the following statement. And I quote, I am aware of one district leader who has sent a letter to parents urging them to request an accommodation for their child on the Americans with Disabilities Act to avoid mask requirements. I find it deeply appalling that any education leader who is supposed to be setting an example for our students would send a communication so callous and offensive to Oregon parents and children with disabilities. Now, I gotta tell you, my fellow Americans, this much here. Here's what's interesting about this story. I read Mark Thielman's complete letter. There was nothing disrespectful about that letter. If there was, I would call him out right here on air. And I would tell you, this guy is crossed the line. And he was. there's nothing disrespectful about it. What's even interesting about this, as she didn't understand or, I guess, uh, investigate this enough to know that... Uh, you know, uh, Mark Thielman uh, understands disability. He has it in his own family. I mean, and we'll ask him more about that in just a moment. So this this wasn't uh, he wasn't being disrespectful. But I got to tell you, the national media picked up on this, friends, as always is the case. Anytime and the outlets and I'm talking outlets in the Associated Press, uh, Yahoo, the Daily Mail, the L.A. Times, the New York Post, uh, Newsweek, all of them. They all picked it up. And they talked about this, highlighting Brown's assertions and going after Thielman in such a way here. Um, and uh, so, you know, it's what the national media always does. And, and, you know, the thing about the national media is they're lock and step uh, with the way they do these things. And they push an agenda. It's propaganda is what it is. They push an agenda out there. And this is why we're having the troubles in our country right now. And this is the sickest part about this entire agenda is our national media. It's a disgrace. The fourth estate is, is, is a disgrace. And it really has, it's a calamity here. It's created an environment and a hostile environment and a calamity many of us would have never predicted. And it's why these people like Kate Brown, which by the way, was she was born in Spain. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, and, and she's here in America and, you know, I get you, but maybe she's got a lot of her origins with more of a, I don't know, a traditional European or a sort of a uh, rooted in Marxist family tradition. I don't know. But a lot of these people, that's what COVID has done. This pandemic is has empowered them. You know, and it's always that way in life where it brings out, you know, the worst in people or uh, they're, uh, it empowers them to think how much they can get. In other words, you really see the evil. You really see the evil in people and in situations when it's out there in the light of day, in, in a situation like a pandemic like this. It has really taught this country so much, you know, really, though. And if we learn from this and we get over it, we, we have a chance ahead, maybe. 
But, you know, getting on a megaphone and getting out loud about it is going to be the challenge we have here, which is hence what we're doing here today. Now, here, here's the crux of, of, of Mark Thielman um, that I'm going to tell you right now that you, you may not know. Here's what's fascinating. So this man who is, you hear him today here, as I hear him like you for the first time, well-spoken, um, again, uh, very small school district, small area. And, you know, Oregon has some magical areas. It's a beautiful, beautiful area. There's no doubt about it, as a lot of those states are. But again, it's, it's the urban uh, cesspools and the Marxist agenda that are pulling the politics down. And a lot of these states, you know, and almost all of them in that area, they almost want to break out and divide into multiple states within a state because they're sick of the agenda coming from the cities. You know, they, they don't want to deal with it anymore. And, and but so Mark Thielman, guess what? He's running for governor of Oregon. Here's what's fascinating about that. And that's probably part of the challenge of why he has gotten under a Kate Brown skin. Because, you know, uh, someone like this doesn't want to let she doesn't want to let her. Uh, it's her regime, but it's her agenda. And yes, yeah, she's wor very worried about who's going to who's going to, you know, uh, follow her into office. She's very concerned with that. She doesn't want to let all of that go. Think about all the damage she's done there. You know, I mean, she doesn't want that to be erased. So she's looking for who her uh, predecessor is going to be here. She's looking to see how do they, you know, keep that in play as she also considers obviously her future life or whatever that's going to look like there after governorship of the great state of Oregon. So, so this just puts a twist and a turn of this thing I want to share with you. I'm going to predict it with you right now, looking at the letter, looking at the feedback from the governor. I think things are going to get very interesting right now. There's a series of players, by the way, that are running uh, in the primary uh, for this. Uh, the primary, uh, let's see, this will be uh, the race itself be November 8, 2022. Uh, the primary will be in May, by the way. And again, Kate Brown's not on, she's not on the ballot there, okay, to be clear. Uh, but you have a, a whole list of Republicans that are trying to take it back right now. I don't see as many Democrats in that list. I want to talk to Mark about that, what he sees ahead. But also, how, how do you improve all this? How do we take a state like Oregon and how do we flip it back? And is that even possible? You know, he mentions in the area he's in, when I ask him the breakup of people, like a lot of these rural and suburban areas, they tend to be more like you out there, a lot of our listeners and the people who love our country. Uh, but the fight is within these little markets and these pockets who have uh, taken these, uh, this Marxist agenda forward and is really tipping America over to a, a, a terrible hostile environment there. So, what we'll do here now, take a pause here, a moment here. So we're, we're speaking to, again, Mark Thielman, uh, Oregon. Uh, he, this is a good case study, by the way, today, what we're speaking about and what could transpire across America into a lot of markets. So I'm, I'm very fascinated with this and what can take place here. There's a lot of personal interest, too, on our network and platform and outreach uh, through the state of Oregon uh, and uh, people who um, understand what's happened and uh, they, they want a different way, path forward. And they're pushing back people uh, for sure uh, so let's take a pause here you're listening to the voice of a nation our global experts are brilliant writers and engaging hosts on a mission of a lifetime you'll find the latest news and inspiration on the front page of americaoutloud.com trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep can be infuriating 
Your mind races. You toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's digital age makes it even harder. You're not alone with this struggle. Poor sleep affects over 70% of Americans. Even the Centers for Disease Control label insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. To take back your sleep, Healthy Cell has created REM Sleep, the only sleep supplement made to support all four stages of human sleep with calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Delivered in a patent-pending, pill-free, ultra-absorption microgel formula that tastes great. Fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deeply, and wake up refreshed with Healthy Cell's REM Sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. You know, Healthy Cell is a terrific lineup of products. They have products that are pill-free, gel-packed vitamins, uh, looking for better sleep, focus, and energy, check out Healthy Cell, the leading innovator in nutritional supplements for cell health. Healthy Cell has a product that helps REM sleep, helps you fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deeply, and wake up refreshed with Healthy Cell's REM sleep supplement. The only sleep supplement that's designed to support all stages of sleep. And boy, is it needed now during all the stress of the COVID-19 pandemic. So go to HealthyCell.com and use the code OUTLOUD, all capital letters, OUTLOUD, for a 20% off your first order of any product from HealthyCell. I use them every day. I believe in them. And you should too. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. There was a time when Americans could rely on the fourth estate. Well, in these challenging times, the media is both reckless and complicit. AmericaOutloud.com. Top analysis from leading experts, articles, podcasts, video, and 24-7 talk radio. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Join you back here on the Voice of a Nation. It is uh, Malcolm Out Loud here. Yours truly. Thank you for being with us on the mission here on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Now, again, as you know, our program runs every day, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. We have an encore at 10 uh, by chance. If you get us, and that's Eastern again on the Pacific Coast. Uh, that's going to be at three and at seven. Uh, if you do the math there, and you can reach us anywhere in the world on the iHeart Radio Network. Uh, of course, our apps as well: Apple, Android, Alexa. We have a world-class media player, and many of the networks we're on, uh, we have reach that reaches certainly all over our country and really around the world. People listen to our network, uh, Voice of Freedom and, and a, a, a voice of liberty for all, liberty and justice for all, as we call it here on the network. That, you know, we have, we've had so much communications in the past few weeks with Australia. Uh, we have a lot of Australians listen, a lot of Europeans as well. But, you know, um, people realize it, it, right now there's a world crisis going on and people see uh, this agenda out there in the light of, it's a globalist movement. It's a globalist agenda. And uh, we're pushing back on it clearly here on our network here. Make no mistake about it. So, so, um, 
let's let's dive right in here now. We have Mark Thielman uh, on the call here with us here today, and he again, Elsie. Uh, 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 charter schools out there. It's a, it's a beautiful area. And he is a superintendent of the area. As he, he was explaining earlier, there's a lot of outreach uh, there with the charter school system. And uh, he's also a K-12 principal. Uh, there was the letter he pushed back on the mask mandate that we've seen Governor Kate Brown do and extend out there. And again, a lot of these, you know, and let me ask you that, Mark, why were a lot of these uh, governors, just like Kate Brown, for instance, Mark, why were they uh, so aggressive when many of us were trying to get over the pandemic, we were trying to get to the other side. I mean, is there any other reason beside what seems to be logical to some of us as to why they continue to extend the pandemic forward with more mandates, what they call follow the science, but they kind of made science whatever they wanted to make science. What is behind all this in your view, Mark? Well, they passed uh, two laws. Uh, one in 2015 and one in 2017 that um, said that under this or during a state of emergency only um, that the governor can direct um, certain agencies and spe specifically the Oregon Health Authority, which was a relatively newly created agency. Uh, and that that during the emergency, uh, for the sake of safety, the authority would have the ability to write um, uh, law under the rules, in other words, they could write administrative rules that would have the force of law. So if you are trying to advance your agenda quickly, think about that. Now you want to stay in a state of emergency because now you can use your Department of Education, your Department of or Oregon Health Authority, um, which has total supremacy over the uh, medical industry in Oregon to, to mandate and write law, including public health law. So down through the counties, uh, county agencies, they're, they are, they're all a must bend and meet. So even though these are mandates and these aren't actual laws passed by the legislature, the legislature apparently gave, since it's, you know, all one party, gave the, uh, the Democrat party and Governor Brown and the governor's office these emergency powers. And of course, at the time it was passed, everyone was thinking, well, you know, emergencies come and go, but they're, they know they won't last for, for years. And guess what? Here we are. Yeah. And, and those emergency powers is, is what a lot of states got. I mean, a lot of those states got these emergency powers, but that's what I said up front though, Mark, they were using the pandemic and this moment as a means to seize the power. Like in the situation of Kate Brown, as an example, there was a recall on Kate Brown. Let me, let me get this out there as well. This was yep. back in, I think it was around August 2020, was it? I think around there somewhere, right? Yep. August 20. Yeah. There was a recall that almost got on the ballot. It was pretty close wasn't it it was but she called a special session of the legislature and then they changed the rules by which um, signatures can be collected and so they had to um, throw out a bunch of the signatures that had already been collected uh, which basically allowed people to print a petition off and mail it in uh, off a computer so that was uh, ixnade and then that reduced the number of signatures to just below within a few thousand of uh, what they needed to put her on the recall you know, what you just say there, is the average person in Oregon aware of what you just say? Uh, no, it was not covered heavily by the media. Again, what do I say all the time? They're in lock and step with this media. This, this national media is a disgrace. 
And, mm-hmm. and, and we've lost control of the country because of this, uh, Mark. Yep. So in this case here, uh, you know, so that recall fell short just a little bit. It almost made it there because I was wondering what was going to happen with that when it was mm-hmm. happening. But now, all right, so with this, if you look at the the ballot right now and you look at coming into this 2020, there's a whole list of people on the Republican side. There's not as many on the Democrat side right now, is there? Uh, there's only two. Right. Yeah. All right. And why is that right now? I'm just wondering and curious. Why is there not as many who have thrown their 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 hat in the ring under to, to, to follow up with Kate Brown's agenda? Why do you think that is? Well, the Democrat Party has a different culture. So only people who are vetted and allowed can run. So if you'll notice, um, Tina Kotek is the Speaker of the House. Uh, she's a, um, a, a LGBTQ person from Portland. She's she's more radical than Kate Brown. And then they have they they have what I call the token uh, more moderate person, which is Tobias Reed, the state treasurer. Both of them are snakes. Why do you think, Mark, they keep giving the power back to the same people who are uh, suppressing their rights? So why, do, why uh, are people just not paying attention or is, no, this, been, is uh, this the way yeah. of life they want? Well, I can. No, I can answer that directly. So there's a they create a culture of condition in which people are trained to think about how they look. And so how would it look if I don't vote for a Democrat and then my neighbor finds out and then I get attacked? Because that is exactly what happens. And so there's this social pressure. And so people, you know, and people are autonomic, right? If they're not heavily political and they're just going about their lives and that's part of the local more or the local culture, then, then they automatically declare that they, they're a progressive. And, um, you know, if you're at a party in, in the Portland area, I've, I've experienced it many times. Um, people will be having a great time and then they find out I'm a conservative and then things go sideways. I mean, instantly, it's like flipping a switch. And so in that, that venue, it's just easier to go along and get along and then elect the, uh, accepted people. And the, you know, everyone always hopes that it won't affect them. The problem with this pandemic and the reason that governor Brown and her agendas become extremely controversial and actually majority of Oregon's, um, don't care for it is it's exposed the, uh, the, the extremes of that kind of mentality. In other words, they were able to just railroad right through. And now it's affecting everyone because schools are closed or uh, like, for example, the uh, Thurston High School in Springfield, uh, Friday, kids practiced all week. And just before the game, uh, uh, the coach came in and said, uh, 26, you 26 players can't suit down because you're unvaccinated. So they had to take uh, less than half their team out to the to the 5A football field. And all of those kids who were unvaccinated were told that they were a threat to public health and safety. Now, they what what happens is parents who didn't want their kid to be vaccinated suddenly are like, well, I want my kid to play football. He could lose his, his D1 scholarship. And so this is the mentality of these people. And then they, they declared on Tuesday uh, as, you know, a, a fair number, I think about a third of those 26 kids, parents took them in to start the vaccine process. They uh, declared that their strategy was working. Now, this is a high school that's supposed to care about all students. It, it's insane. So those same students, by the way, are allowed to attend school during the day, but they can't play football at night. So 
Do you see people, I mean, how optimistic are you when we talk about pushing back on these kind of agendas? I mean, because mm-hmm. I think um, since in every day, Mark, a lot of people are losing trust and confidence not only in their local areas, but in our country as a whole. I've never seen um, such despair and sadness with people right now who believe we are in a a deep trouble. Do you, and and you know, we're just talking for the first time. Yeah, I'm wondering with you, do you have that same sense out there? And do people that you speak, do they have that sense of the trouble? uh, are, Are you in the same spirit of thinking that so many others are around the country? Well, in Oregon, the, the folks that you're, you know, you're talking about people who have despair and are stressed out. Um, I never hear anybody disparaging the country. On the contrary, what I do hear them disparaging is they have low confidence in government in general. Mm-hmm. And so they, they end up abdicating. It's apathy. Well, you know, politicians always lie and there, you know, there's no hope for this. But the reality is there is hope. And that's why I mm. put my name out to run for governor. So I've demonstrated through that letter, not only can, can, can conservatives fight, mm-hmm. but conservatives are the answer. Because look at my letter. I didn't disparage uh, parents who supported masking. I said, we'll support you. And notice what I did is I put the parent in the position to make the decision. Amen. You know, if you're okay with masking, fill out this survey. That's what sent the governor through the roof because that's not the rules. The rules are the government sets the criteria, not the parent. Mm -hmm. And uh, so what I've been doing is I've been going out and campaigning, not as a Republican, but as a person who uh, is reaching out to all parents. Did you know that the largest voting block in Oregon are parents and grandparents, not Democrats and Republicans? And Mm. that's the beauty of it. And this is why my campaign is, you know, taken off. And Governor Brown helped me with that, obviously. And, you know, truth be told, I might have uh, anticipated her reaction. Um, I didn't know it would be so uh, that she would hand me the stick to beat her with, because uh, I don't know if we covered this, but I am the parent of a highly disabled uh, teenage daughter who her mandates completely abandoned. She got 17 minutes of schooling last school year, but the school district was going broke because they were closed. So they were claiming my daughter for full attendance and they sent me a report card at the end of the first trimester saying she had attended every day and passed all her classes. Now, this is why government is not the answer because government doesn't care. The report card says we served her, we're getting paid. And to me, it's just, it's absolutely, it's, un, it's unconscionable, the arrogance of, of the system here in Oregon and, and it needs to change. And so um, in blue states, the more you can keep them on the edge of not being able to make ends meet, the, the more likely they are to be distracted. And, and that's why uh, mm. nothing ever gets solved in these states. On Hold the on now, let me jump in. You're talking about, I think, the shiny object syndrome, which, again, yep. the, the left is very good at. So what they do mm-hmm. is they keep creating a crisis, one crisis yep. after the next, or they extend the crisis. Is that what's happening? Yeah. And they, they make sure, you know, they, they keep raising taxes so you can never get ahead. They, they keep creating um, opportunities in which they demonize the haves versus the have nots. It's always a process of division and it creates this sense of intrepidation in people who aren't political and aren't connected. They're trying to make ends meet. They're, they're having to bring in another family to rent another bedroom in their apartment because they can't afford their rent. I mean, this, this happens 
I mean, it's an epidemic in these areas. The homeless population is in, is is out of control. And what they do is they move they move huge camps, hundreds and thousands or hundreds, two thousands of people, depending on the size of the camp. And then they move them to a vacant lot and then they assign an address to that. And then they register all those people to vote and then they move them again. But then the ballots get sent to the this is how they keep in power. And um, uh, they brag about it in the in the legislature. And sometimes they forget I'm a Republican in the policy room. And this is I mean, it's it's. It's unbelievable the arrogance of these people. They do not care about the people they say they care about. So it's like opposite day. And this is how we win. So look what I do. I go back to the things that all people agree on, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, people love their kids. Whether you're a Democrat or Republican, parents want to be able to raise their children in the way they see fit and to to go to church if they choose, to, to, Uh, teach their kids about right and wrong, to make sure their kids get an education. And so that's how we need in in, in the left coast here. That's why I'm an unusual uh, Republican candidate, because the number, you know, the number one question in my campaign, uh, people call and they they get on the Facebook and it's 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 hilarious. Just had a couple yesterday. What party is he representing? I mean, that should that's that's the way out of this, because I'm resonating with people not as a Republican specifically. So there, I have a huge uh, support base among Democrats, especially the moderate ones mm-hmm. uh, who are yelling at her, you know, they're going all out saying Mark for Oregon. And, and that's the way out of this is we got to mm-hmm. departisan the, the issue and conservatives need to start speaking to the core values that are hardwired into us as human beings. Mm-hmm. We, we, yeah, we love our kids. We want to be connected one generation to the next. We want opportunities for our children. Yeah. And that's how you get through this because it's working. Yeah. Mark, I love what you say there. Uh, uh, you know, so you could very well be uh, the, the future governor of Oregon. I mean, you, you have mm-hmm. your, your, you, um, you have uh, the right uh, attitude. You have the right uh, speak. Uh, your mm-hmm. and politically, I totally agree with your approach to reach all people, not to make mm-hmm. it a, a, a left and right Republican Democrat conversation. So you appeal, and you're, and you know, and everybody knows that the power would should always be with the parents and with the yeah. people. It's always that way, not these uh, overreached governors and and mayors and um, uh, you know the, these committees who think they're running everything. So. When I look at the amount of people uh, running again in in the Republican side, I think there's like eight right now, three, four, five, yeah, eight, uh, including yourself right now. Mm -hmm. And according to what I see here, you mentioned a couple, but I only see one Democrat, Patrick Starnes, that's on the Democrat side right now. There's Mm -hmm. another one you say? Well, there's, yeah, there's two that that recently announced, and maybe they're not on that list yet. Yeah, that's Tina Kotek. Uh, she's the Speaker of the House here in Oregon. I see. She is uh, she's a longtime speaker. And the other one is uh, the state treasurer, Tobias Reed. And yeah. I just did a nice Facebook live. I, th- you know, his, he's got a great name. I think he's too biased. So okay. in my opinion. So I, they're really looking for the protege right now with Kate Brown, yep. aren't they? That's what they're doing. Yeah, they're looking for that. Yeah. And I, I, that's my sense. Uh, who is this Patrick Starnes? Is he anything? Anybody? Who, what's, what's he? Uh, well, he's a he's a cabinet maker guy. He's a nice guy, but um, he ran, I think, as an alternative candidate, um, and then 
dropped out of the race and supported Governor Brown in exchange for campaign finance reform that she never gave. So I think he's going back or, you know, he's trying to, he's trying for round two. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. Well, a lot of them do that indeed. Yeah. Uh, you know, when I look, by the way, um, at the general election of 2018, a moment here, uh, when Kate Brown was reelected. Okay. All right. Uh, yep. She got uh, 934,000 votes that I see here. And this other guy, this Republican, uh, oh, Patrick Starnes, he ran last time as well. Yeah, he ran in 2018. Yeah, he huh? did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I see that now. And uh, But this other guy, um, uh, Bueller, is it? Bueller? Yep. Yeah, Newt okay. Bueller. Yeah. Newt, Newt Bueller. Okay. Uh, he, you know, he got 814,000. Uh, yes. So uh, that was 43 percent. But she still won handily at 50 percent and the Republican had 43 percent. I mean, real question. What would it take for a Republican? I mean, really, what would it take, Mark, for a Republican to, Republican to get 51 percent of that vote? What would it take? Well, you need 8%. And that's actually quite easy to accomplish if you take a position like I'm taking, which is we're here for all Oregonians. We're here for all people. And uh, I trust the people. So you, you put the hand and the power back into the hands of the parents, back into the hands of families. And, and then you create opportunities through policy proposals that resonate with those families. And so basically, my platform is the only one. It's very unique. And uh, I know we don't have time to get into it. But um, notice I can I can talk like a progressive. You saw that in the letter. But the application of the things I say are completely fundamentally 100% conservative. And so in Oregon, conservatives keep trying to pander to get that 8%, you know, oh, I, I care about this or I care. And it's really disingenuous because conservatives aren't good at that because there's a sense of falseness if you're pandering to somebody. See what I'm saying? You have to be completely genuine. So you have to be able to operate as a conservative, but, but, but structure your language so that it, it, it resonates with people who don't have a lot of experience being conservative. Mm -hmm. And that's what that letter did. That's why the governor lost her mind because it was an effective letter and it, it spoke to both mask supporting people and non-mass supporting people. That's right. And that's the power of that. Yeah. You know, politics is is like a, a dog fight, isn't it? You know, Mark? Mm -hmm. so it is. It's very rough and tumble. And I see where a lot of these people with the best intentions uh, get into office uh, and they, I don't know what it is. They get corrupted, they fall apart, or they don't follow through or they get empowered. And then they seize yeah. the power in the moment. Nothing what our framers really envisioned when people would serve and then go back to their way of life. Now they get in there, like you say, it's a career politician and it's and it's just worried about the next election. It's one step mm -hmm. forward, but it's it's what's it's what's wrong with our Congress right now. That's what's wrong with everything. I mean, they're there forever. They don't leave. And the American people that seem to be going along with this without demanding more from these uh, elected uh, people who work for them. And I think this country as a whole, Mark, has forgot that we the people is is the mandate uh, from our mm -hmm. founders, not we the government or we the big government. It's the states who created the federal government to uh, accordingly. The federal government didn't create the states. Well, and, you know, you've seen me say that or maybe I shouldn't say it that way. Maybe you haven't. But um, a lot of my content on my campaign website talks okay. speaks to that in which uh, the government exists it was created to serve the people not the other way around 
Now, what we have now is the government saying, we're in charge, do as we say. That's, that's not serving the people. That's telling the people what to do. And we have to get the, uh, the, the spirit of our government back. And you, and there, you do it by uh, creating the expectation from people that government is here to serve. And it can serve best by empowering people to make those decisions in their lives and trusting them to make the right decision. And the, the beauty of that is, is that's actually what people want. That's what they're hoping for. So in other words, I can do things like invest in every newborn baby. Uh, we can set up a, a retirement account when they're born uh, with some taxpayer dollars. It doesn't cost very much comparatively to expensive, ongoing, never-ending government programs. But you invest that in the, the crazy evil capitalist system, and then uh, that grows the global stock market, and then it, it builds stuff all over the world, and then that $10,000 grows. And by the time they're 65, guess what? You don't need to have expensive government entitlement programs because those people will have, uh, by the basis of their birth in Oregon, economic power to, to provide for their own care. And so you have to actually look down the road, we've been doing it completely opposite. And um, you, you go out on a campaign and you say, hey, elect me a conservative and here's how we're going to make uh, uh, get big, big good bang for our buck regarding taxpayer dollars and support for kids and families. Mm -hmm. And it's the opposite because the government is no longer needed if people have uh, the ability to choose their own retirement health plan. Uh, they can go into the private market and say, I'm going to do this one or that one because they have the economic power to do that. And, and that, that money will grow over the course of their lifetime. I mean, imagine it. If, if you and I had put $10,000 on the day of our birth, and I don't know how old you are, but I'm 51, um, I would have a lot more uh, in my retirement right now than I do because I didn't, you know, I went the traditional way, started investing when I started getting old enough to realize I was going to die. So, <laughs> you know right, what I'm saying? Right. Right. So, but this is, this is the new flavor and this is the, what, what I'm offering and, and man, is it resonating? It's yeah. like nothing I ever imagined. Yeah. Nothing you ever, you're excited about this, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. We're going to turn socialism completely on its head mm-hmm. and, and what, what, right. and then it permanently disempowers okay. the government. All right. Let me tell folks now, there's a whole lot about Mark Thielman. I want you to check out uh, it, it, the website, Mark, correct me on this, but it's, and it's M-A-R-C, by the way, when we say Mark, yes. M-A-R-C, uh, C for uh, conservative. That's what we'll say. All right. Yes, uh, so amen. it's, uh, <laughs> there you go. Markfororegon.com is the site, M-A-R-C uh, for Oregon.com. And it's, it's, a, it's a nice site. He's got a lot of good stuff here. His whole agenda is right out there and the track record of serving the people and not the system, he says. But I'll tell you what, what a fascinating case study to see you come from such a small community in a beautiful area of the state and be able to resonate. And I think back historically to sometimes we have somebody who is a, who's really not a politician who comes out of nowhere and ends up uh, relating to the people and they mm-hmm. rise to get into that position. That's kind of what we have here, isn't it? Yeah. And I'm not going to let people down. I, I will do what I say. Uh, my, my motto is elect me and you will see results. Right. I get the sense about you that 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 is real. Um, And that's really what we need. It's the important thing. Uh, It is, again, we serve, we are, we the people, and it is, the government only exists because of us. 
Uh, yep. we, we, we are the people, we are the government. And if we don't like it, we need to change uh, the, the powers to be and the trajectory of our city, states, uh, community and nation. That's where mm-hmm. we fall. Uh, Mark Thielman, I am wishing you uh, just terrific success ahead. Uh, oh, this is you. a very interesting story. And it's one mm-hmm. that uh, I, I want to stay uh, very close. I, again, I look at you as a case study uh, for our mm-hmm. nation and what could possibly happen ahead. So uh, let me tell you, my fellow Americans out here, Mark Thielman, again, is a uh, you know, he's got his, his name in the hat here. He's put his name. He's uh, like you and I. He's a he's a citizen that's rising to the biggest challenge. And many we're seeing this more and more from people who want to take it back. They they just want to take our our communities back, our states back, our uh, our opportunities and back, and make them really what they are. Um, what all the possibilities can be. Uh, what our great country stands for. Um, Mark, again, uh, check him out, please. Let's let's. Let's just check them out. Let's let's keep this close by here. What a beautiful thing if that would be to get a Mark Thielman in there as a governor of, of Oregon. Uh, Mark, M-A-R-C for Oregon.com. Uh, we'll stay close in all of this and uh, watch this race and see how we can uh, uh, participate in every way that we can here. Uh, we're going to need this all across our country. I mean, this is where it starts, people. I mean, it, it doesn't happen. It doesn't come out of nowhere. And, and too much attention is put forward with states like California and New York. Uh, but there's a lot more of America in between this, uh, the, these, these states. And uh, we need to pay attention to it and, uh, and turn a lot of this back and turn that blue back to beautiful shades of red. Uh, first, we'll get to the purple and then make it red. And, and just and I, and I say that not to be political or partisan, but to say it as an American, as a patriot, as somebody who respects and loves our Constitution, stands for the flag and loves our way of life and wants to preserve it for future generations. My friends, that is liberty and justice for all, isn't it? I mean, that is what we're all about here. We're not about Republicans and Democrats and partisans. We don't care about that stuff. We're in it for our country, for other reasons, for our families, for our, uh, you know, our kids, future generations, and for our lifestyle. That's what this great country was built on and based on. It's what we're all about here. So, listen, we thank you for being with us today on the mission. I learned a lot, a lot more to learn about this Oregon. I'm, let's follow this closely. Will you do that with me? Let's see what we can do here in support of, uh, of this agenda and, and uh, fascinate and talk about that. And by the way, uh, Dr. Stephen Latula on our network, as you know, is from Oregon, has been very outspoken about Kate Brown, uh, one of the doctors who was, uh, pulled, they pulled his license. Uh, and you've been following that, I'm sure you know what I'm speaking about. His uh, program, uh, Unity Without Compromise, plays on Saturday and Sunday on America Out Loud Talk Radio Network. And he's a writer uh, on the platform. He's a terrific human being. Uh, and we've got a lot of outreach coming from that market. Well, listen, thank you for being with me on the mission today. It's time. Get involved and get loud. <laughs>